You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. <laughs> Another week, another loss for the New York Giants. Seems like every every week we're talking about a loss. Fourth consecutive defeat at the hands of the Detroit Lions this past Sunday afternoon. It's the Wide Right Podcast, Episode 7, I believe. Yeah, Episode 7. I'm your host, Ryan Honey of Elite Sports New York, the Elite Sports Radio Network. Uh, so we're going to be talking about this episode, talking about the Lions game, uh, Giants loss of the Lions, 31-26, to recapping that, recapping what re- what went wrong, uh, how this coaching staff is failing these players, and the talent this team has on the roster. So we'll get into that, segue into the Leonard Williams trade that went down on Monday, and then start previewing the game against the Dallas Cowboys that's happening, already playing the Cowboys again. Seems like it was last week they played them on, played them on week one. Uh, Giants play the Cowboys in a week nine Monday night game at MetLife Stadium. So we'll get into that. But I wanted to start with this. Um, it was funny watching this game. By the way, I had to re I had to rewatch this game Monday morning because so I I listened to the fir- most of the first half on the radio. Uh, I was on my way home. I visited my old college. Uh, This past weekend for homecoming uh, takes me around three hours to get back from to get from there to back home in New York. Uh, So I left a little bit early to try to get back for the game back in time for the game monsoon driving in a monsoon and ended up being a four hour trip drove in so much rain. I could not believe it. It wouldn't stop. It was insane. I've never driven that far and in that much rain before. I was actually getting real annoyed about it. Not going to lie. It took me forever to get home. I missed much of the first half. I mean, I listened to it on the radio, but I definitely wanted to visualize it and see everything. So I watched, I rewatched the game Monday morning. So I felt prepared enough to write about it, felt prepared enough to podcast about it. So, but anyway, it was, it was funny watching it because the Giants were pretty much the better team, arguably the better team in this game. More first downs, better third down efficiency, had more rushing yards, just five less total yards, but more sacks. They won the turnover battle, less penalties, one time of, time of possession. They had the better running back in this game. Arguably the better quarterback. I mean, Daniel Jones finished 28 for 41, 322 yards, four touchdowns, zero picks. That fumble lost. Uh, that was the backwards pass. But he only had 20 less yards than Matt Stafford and a lower rating by 5.2. But you have to think of this. 
He was on the road as a rookie against the quarterback who will end up being probably one of the best statistical quarterbacks of all time. Hasn't gotten money win hasn't got many wins. Doesn't have many playoff appearances. But Matthew Stafford is arguably gonna end up one of the best or at least better statistical quarterbacks in the history of this league. So Daniel Jones arguably was the better quarterback in this game. Had more touchdown passes. Um you know, didn't throw a pick. Stafford threw one pick in the beginning of the game to, Janor- to Janoris Jenkins. Um, you know, Barkley was effective. 19 rushes, 64 yards, 8 catches, 79 yards, a touchdown through the air, 143 all-purpose yards. Uh, Golden Tate, 8 receptions, 85 yards. Darius Slayton, 2 receptions, 50 yards, 2 touchdowns. Engram, uh, Evan Engram, 4 receptions. 40 yards and a touchdown. So the Giants had a lot of playmakers on the field this past weekend. Four touchdown passes for Daniel Jones. Three of them were to different receivers. As I said, two to Slayton, one to Ingram, one to Barkley. So what was wrong with this game? The coaching. Predictable play calling. They always run it on first and ten. They always run it. And I understand that you want to put the ball in the hands of your top playmaker, Saquon Barkley. And Pat Shermer has, at least according to Charles Davis, who was the color commentator for this game on Fox, said that to you when they util, that when Pat Shermer says when they utilize Saquon Barkley on the field, they normally like to they prefer to hand it off to him because. Pat Shermer says sometimes the simpler plays are the better plays. That utilizing him just in the run game is the better move. Dude, you're two and six. I don't think anything you're really doing right now is the better move. Pat Shermer needs to start utilizing Saquon Barkley in in a more efficient way and maximizing his talent and maximizing his potential. You watch how those Carolina Panthers utilize Christian McCaffrey. Watch how they do that. And then watch how the Saints utilize Alvin Kamara. That should be how the Giants utilize Saquon Barkley. Yeah, Barkley had eight catches this week, 79 yards. Utilize him even more than that in the passing game. Put him out in the slot. Make him run routes. Make him run slant routes. Get him out to the open field. He's great when he's out in the open field. It's like how they utilize Odell Beckham. A lot of slants. Get him out in the open field. It only, it was like automatic. You complete a slant to Odell Beckham. Not automatic, but it, you, you, Eli would complete a slant to Odell Beckham. It was arguably going to be a touchdown. Because he gets out into the open field and he's great out into the open field. Get Saquon and his speed out into the open field. You don't have to, there shouldn't be a run play on first and 10 every single, almost every single time. And, and it doesn't, sometimes it works. Usually it works. I mean, it's Barkley, but you got to switch it up. These defenses are going to catch on. And it's not like he had a great game rushing the ball. Only 64 yards on 19 carries. Why? Because his Detroit Lions defense was prepared for stuff like that. 
You can't run the ball every single time on first and ten because it's going to be it's going to be way too predictable. And predictability is awful as an offense. You want to be unpredictable. You want to make the defense guess. You want to make the keep the defense on their toes. And the Giants and with Pat Shermer's play calling, they do not do that at all to opposing defenses. They do not keep them on their toes. They do not keep them guessing. They it's and it's become ineffective. It's become boring. Even with the playmakers this team has on offense. A rookie quarterback who's on the rise. Generational, sensational running back. They have good receivers. They have a very versatile tight end. Evan Ingram's arguably the most athletic and versatile tight end in this entire league. And his offense just seems like they're so predictable. So the simple route to just utilizing Barkley in the run game, first and 10 run play every single time is not working. And what about the no Patchamer not challenging the no uh, the no call on the pass interference at the end of the game? So the Giants needed to score. Giants were down 31 to 19. They threw a pass to the end zone on third down. Uh, no call. The um, receiver was held, but no call. Giants could have challenged it. Could have been overturned. Take the chance. You need two scores in four in four minutes. Take the chance. They don't. Okay, whatever. Fourth down. Throw a pass to the end zone. Receiver was held up again. The line, the um, referee threw the flag. Flag was picked up. Definitely challenge that. Take the chance. You need two scores in four minutes. Take the chance. Challenge the no call or challenge. Yeah, no call. They picked up the flag. Challenge the no call. Pat Shermer didn't. Because, oh, he uses the excuse. Oh, when have I won the challenge on that this year? Who cares about the past? Who cares about the past games? Who cares about the fact that you're 0-5 on those challenges leading up to that moment? You need two scores in four minutes. You need two touchdowns in four minutes. Take the chance. You have to. You couldn't waste another possession and then try to come back after that. You score right there, then it's a game. Stop the Lions on forcing them to go three and out the ensuing defensive possession. Get the ball back with however much time left. Drive down the field to try to win the game. Instead, you let the you don't challenge the call. The Lions get the ball back. They stop them. The Giants get the ball back. They score on a Saquon Barkley uh, touchdown pass to Saquon Barkley, and then they're forced to do an on, to try to convert an onside kick, which never works ever. Onside kick never works in this in the NFL or anywhere. You have to challenge that play. Those are the awful decisions that are ruining this team. And ruining this season. It's becoming another lost season. Two and six. Because of the stupid decisions like that. The fact that Pat Shermer. Would not even take the chance there. Is unbelievable. You got to take. You got to. Take advantage of that opportunity. 
take advantage of the power you have in your hands now that you can challenge pass interference calls and no calls on pass interference. Unacceptable and inexcusable that you cannot take that chance. It's unbelievable. I couldn't believe it when I watched it. It was obviously the third down play and the fourth down play. They were obviously pass interferences. Now I get it's tough to challenge it and get overturned because the referees, by the way, the officiating this year is worse than I've ever seen ever. And the fact that these pass interference challenges, they won't get them overturned is because these referees are terrified to admit that they're wrong on the call. They're terrified. The referee, the officiating has become a cult that are against the fans, that are against the coaching, the the teams, the coaching staffs. They don't want to make the, it's not that they want to make the right, that they have to make the right call. They just have to make a call now because anything could get overturned. The fact that they could challenge offensive, that they can challenge any pass interference in the first place just eliminates referees being held accountable for their wrong calls and their actions, their incorrect decisions while calling the game. But the fact that none of them get overturned really just shows that they're terrified to admit that they're wrong. That's what happened. That's what happened. What's happened this entire season. That's why I think it's going to be a one and done type of thing. Challenging pass interference. I think it's going to be a one and done. I think it's going to be over by the time next season rolls around. And despite them being terrified to admit that they're wrong and overturning the call, Pat Shermer should still take that chance and take that opportunity. You need to. Two scores in four minutes. You need to take that chance. That's enough about Shermer. Moving on to James Betcher in this game, the defensive coordinator. There's no creativity within this defense. Not a, None. His schemes make the players in coverage look so unprepared. The linebackers and defensive backs, they always seem like they're a step behind the receiver off the snap. It always seems like every player in coverage is a second late getting to the receiver. Every time a pass is thrown is complete. It always seems like the player covering them is just a second or a half second late getting to them. James Betcher's schemes are uncreative. They're inconsistent. And they're making the players look just so unprepared at every pass play. There's no shot this defense was prepared for that flea flicker the Lions scored on. And it's not surprising that they weren't. Both safeties screwed up. Jabril Peppers bit too hard on the run. Antoine Bethea, the free safety, couldn't get back quick enough when he had to cover the over the top, cover the receiver over the top, and ended up being a touchdown for the Lions in the second half. I'm not surprised James Betcher's defense was unprepared for something like that. I knew they would be. As soon as I saw the running back throw it back to Stafford, I knew this is this isn't good. This ain't this ain't gonna be great. And it wasn't. This team, 
this defense is so unprepared for stuff like that. And they always seem like they're a step behind the receivers. And it's James Betcher's fault because his schemes are uncreative and inconsistent. And they don't work. And they haven't worked this entire year. It's crazy. We, the fans and writers are talking about, oh, this defense looks so improved against the Patriots. They still let they still let that offense score 21 points. They still allowed that offense to score on three on three separate drives. It's not like they were perfect that game. Everyone's talking about, oh, the defense looks so good against New England. They look so great. They still let up 21 points to New England. They weren't perfect. They weren't great. Again, letting up 24 points this week. It's an inconsistent, uncreative defense that is killing this organization. And now look who they play next week. The Cowboys who torched them for 35 points in week one. This was another game of horrible coaching and horrible decision-making on either end that killed this team that these coaches are wasting the talent on this team. They're wasting the talent and the potential by their horrible decision-making, their horrible play-calling. If this team is four, this, so this it's, they're now two and six through eight games. That means they're four and twelve. They're on pace to be four and twelve this year. If they're on that pace, if they're going to end up four and twelve, or maybe five and eleven, then both should be fired by the end of this year. Both Pat Shermer. Well, if Pat Shermer goes, everyone's going. Pat Shermer should be fired by the end of this year. If he's not going to be fired, Betcher should definitely be fired by the end of this year. I mean, his defense is. Horrific, and it's not getting any better, and it's getting more frustrating to watch each and every week. Going to shift to this. Another guy that I can't stand right now. What in the world is Dave Gettleman doing trading a, tw- a third rounder in the 2020 draft and a fifth rounder in the 20, 2021 draft for Leonard Williams? Gave those two picks to the Jets for Leonard Williams, whose rookie deal ends after this season. And if the the Giants do re-sign him, then that fifth-round pick they gave up turns into a fourth-round pick for the Jets. The Giants can't win in any scenario that arises from this trade. Because here's what happens. Say they don't re-sign him. Then he's essentially just a rental player, which makes zero sense considering the Giants are not a playoff team. It's not like the Giants are have a good chance to make the Super Bowl this year and win it, and they need Leonard, they need Leonard Williams to come in and be the missing piece of the puzzle. That's not the case at all. This team is not even a contender to win the NFC East, nor come second in the NFC East. They're not even a wild card contender. If they don't re-sign him, then he's essentially just a rental player, which makes zero sense. And they lose a future fifth-round pick. They wouldn't really lose a third-round pick, the third-round pick, because if they don't re-sign him, they'd get a compensatory pick back, which would be possibly around the third-rounder. So 
in retrospect, they just lose a fifth round pick. But even that, when you're a team that's rebuilding, which I know this front office and this coaching staff and these players don't want to admit that they're rebuilding. But yeah, believe it or not, this team is rebuilding. And when you're rebuilding, losing any future draft picks is the wrong move. So if they don't re-sign them, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of money to pay them. And they lose a future fifth round pick. If they do re-sign them, they lose two future first round, two future draft picks, a third rounder and the fourth round pick. The fifth would become a fourth again. So they lose two future picks when they're still rebuilding. This Leonard Williams is going to propel this team to win more games than they've had. That's not the case. It's not a star quarterback. It's not, you know, an effective wideout. It's not like the Cowboys getting Amari Cooper last year and all of a sudden they went on a surge and won the NFC East. If they do, they're still going to be rebuilding. So they lose two future draft picks and they lose a ton of cap space because you know Leonard Williams is going to want a lot of money which would screw them over financially for the future because if they pay him a ton of money, they're going to look back and say, oh, we don't have as much money to pay Saquon, who's going to want a ton of money when his negotiations start to rise. Evan Engram, who's going to want a good amount of money. And eventually Daniel Jones, who we're hoping is going to be the future franchise quarterback. So he's going to want a lot of money as well. But no, the Giants aren't going to have as much money to pay them because they spent an, an insane amount of money on a guy on a defensive lineman who hasn't performed as well in the last three seasons. The dude's on pace for his lowest tackle total on or his second lowest total in tackles, his def, his career low in sacks and career low in tackles for loss. Dude doesn't have a sack all year. Through seven games with the Jets. Did not have a sack, did not have a tackle for loss. In a 16-game spread, so he's only going to be playing 15 games this year because the Giants have eight left. But when you take his stats through seven games, he is through a 16-game spread. Pretty sure he's on pace for his second lowest total in his career in tackles. Definitely his career low in sacks and tackles for loss. So he's regressing. Of course he's regressing. Why do you think the Giants, the Jets were so willing to give him up? to their crosstown rivals who they've never done trade-related business with in the entire history of either of these teams' franchises. This is the first trade that's ever went down between the Jets and the Giants. So if the Jets were so willing to give up Leonard Williams, who was a pro bowler three years ago, to their crosstown rivals, it's obvious he's regressing. And it's obvious he's not the answer at the defensive line position for the Jets at all. So what makes you think that he's going to be the answer for the Giants, that he's going to propel this team to win more games? So if they don't resign him, it's a waste of money and a waste of time, and they lose a future fifth-round pick, which is bad because they're rebuilding. They do resign, and they lose two future first-round picks, a ton of cap space. And then what do they do with Tom, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson? What do they do with B.J. Hill? You're not going to do anything with Dexter Lawrence because they just drafted him in the first round. But they just drafted Dalvin Tomlinson uh, in the 2017 draft. And then they drafted B.J. Hill in the 2018 draft. What, did they just dump them? After this team just drafted them in recent years? 
it is not a great trade at all. It is going to become one of the worst moves Dave Gettleman has made as general manager of this organization. And I'm t- I'm terrified to see what if they're if the Giants aren't done trading if the Giants aren't done trading some of their guys prior to the Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time trade deadline. If they if they make more trades, I am as a fan, as a writer, and as a podcaster of this team, I am terrified for what could go down if they are not done trading players prior to the deadline. I'm terrified to see what they get in return if they trade Janoris Jenkins, if they trade Nate Solder, if they trade Alec Ogletree. I'm terrified to see what they get in return because at this point, the only trade they've made thus far is horrible. This is a horrible move by Dave Gettleman, and it seems like a desperate move to save his job because he he knows with every loss this team has, his job security gets a little bit less, a little bit looser. His job security gets looser. Pat Shermer's job security gets looser, which means the coordinator and the coaching staff's jobs get job securities get looser. It's not a great move at all by Gettleman. It's a horrible move that does not benefit this team in any way when you talk about right now, when you talk about the future of this organization. Either way, they're losing future draft picks, which is horrible when you're rebuilding. And even if they do resign them, it's a lot of money for a guy that probably won't help you win many games, which means less money for your offensive weapons in the future, like Saquon Barkley and Evan Engram and Daniel Jones, who will help you win games. I got to stop talking about it or else I'm going to freak out. So I'm going to segue into, so the Giants play the Cowboys uh, next Monday night. I believe that is October. uh, So I think, no, that's November. Sorry, excuse me. November 4th, I believe. Uh, Let me just double check that. Second game between these two teams. uh, Yeah, Monday, November 4th, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Giants lost to this team 35-17 in week one. Uh, And I will say this again, because I feel like I say this every single week as far as keys to win this game. But we have proof that it didn't work. This was not a great look for the Giants in week one when they lost to this Cowboys team. Uh, Pretty sure the Giants... Yeah, the Giants had zero sacks in that week one loss. What did that lead to? Dak Prescott throwing for 405 yards, four touchdowns, zero picks. Say it every week. The success in the pass rush will lead to success in the secondary. This pass rush needs to get the Prescott, disrupt him, make him throw the ball off his back foot, make him make bad decisions in the pocket. This pass rush needs to help the secondary out because they most certainly did not in the first meeting of these two teams. And this, and they need to, the secondary especially needs to be helped out if Jenkins is going to be traded. If Jenkins is traded before this game, so now the Giants are without their top cornerback and it's DeAndre Baker and possibly Sam Beal as the two corners, this secondary is really going to need some help. This pass rush is really going to need to step up 
and disrupt Dak Prescott and help the secondary out because if Jenkins is gone, DeAndre Baker, Sam Beal, Antonio Hamilton in the mix, that ain't great. That ain't a great look for the Giants if they're if those if Baker and Beal are the two cornerbacks back there, which I don't even think Beal's gonna start. So Sam Beal's actually active for this game. First game he's been active for in his NFL career. Uh, I mean, it's one of those things where it's a believe it when I see it mentality because dude should have a year and a half of um, NFL experience under his belt, and he hasn't played a single snap in a regular season uh, or preseason game up to this point because he's been hurt for a year and a half. Shoulder injury that set him back last year. Didn't play a single snap last year. Um, Didn't play snap in the preseason this year. Still hasn't played a single snap in the regular season this year. So I don't think they'll just put him in to start right away. But, I mean, if they don't have any other options, Antonio Hamilton isn't good at all. Fans saw him play in the first meeting of these two teams. He was horrible. He was absolutely horrible. So you either have DeAndre Baker, who's a rookie. So let's see how DeAndre Baker has improved from week one because he was not great week one at all. So let's see how he improves. And then the other cornerback would either be Antonio Hamilton or Sam Beal, which is not a great look for the secondary. Therefore, this pass rush needs to step up and they need to get the job done because they did it in week one and it cost this team 35 points, 35 to 17 loss. Um, As far as the offense is concerned, um, Daniel Jones is his first start in his career against the Cowboys. He's going to need to utilize his weapons to the best of their ability. Now, I'm not sure if they're going to have Sterling Shepard back from concussion. He's missed the last three games uh, with his second concussion of the year. But as I said before, you know, when it comes to utilize his weapons to the best of their ability, this coaching staff needs to maximize Barkley's potential. They can't just run the ball on first down. They can't just use him in the run game. Put him out in the slot. Have him run routes. Utilize him even more in the passing game. Against a team like this, who is at the top, the Cowboys are at the top of this division. They could be very beatable if you just utilize your weapons to the best of their ability and maximize their talent and potential. I mean, this Cowboys team lost to the Jets, and the Jets are horrific. You saw the Jets. If you're a Jets fan, you saw this team lose 33 to nothing. I don't know any Jet fans who would listen to this podcast, but you saw the Jets lose 33 to nothing to the Patriots. That same team beat this Cowboys team. Therefore, this Cowboys team is still very much beatable. If you utilize your offensive weapons the correct way, which is all up to Pat Shermer, I know I said Daniel Jones has to utilize his weapons, but Pat Shermer needs to make the play calls, the the correct play calls, in order for Daniel Jones to do that. Pat Shermer needs to make the correct decisions in order for Daniel Jones to utilize his weapons to the best of their ability. If the Giants can do that on the offensive side of the ball, they can get the pass rush going, disrupt Dak Prescott, stop the run, stop the effectiveness of Ezekiel Elliott in the run game, if they can, if Pat Shermer can make the right calls, James Becker's defense can utilize the pass rush, utilize their pass rush correctly, and be as disruptive up front. Disrupt Dak Prescott, force him to make bad throws, force him to make bad decisions. 
If either side of the ball can do that, do what they're supposed to do, then the Giants will maybe cover. I know I sort of built that up to say the Giants will win. I think the Giants will cover if they could do that. I'm not endorsing a Giants win. I'm sorry. Right now, there's a lot of problems with this organization, a lot of problems with this team. I'm not one to really lose confidence, but I'm going to lose confidence. I'm focused on next year. Eight games through, I'm focused on next year. The Giants can get it done on either side of the ball. They'll cover. But I'm definitely not endorsing a Giants win against the Cowboys. I just don't. So the Cowboys are a seven-point favorite. So maybe the Giants will cover if they get if they do their job on either side of the ball. But I'm not endorsing a Giants win. Sorry. I just don't have any confidence in this organization right now. It just seems like they're making horrible decisions from play calling to front office decisions. It just all seems like it's on the brink of another lost season. So I'm hoping they can prove me wrong come next Monday night. Uh, But that's it for this episode of the Wide Right Podcast. Um, Follow me on Twitter at Ryan Honey, E-S-N-Y. Follow the Elite Sports New York Twitter. Uh, Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, no. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Speaker, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts uh, normally. Um, But all right. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you guys next week.